Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come with your presence and enfold your people. Help us to touch and taste of you in these humble words. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The journey to maturity and wholeness takes a lifetime. There's lots of falling down and um, getting back up again. I remember a time in my life 30 plus years ago when my emotional self had a lot of rough edges. I was awakening to the pain and grief over, the, over my mom's death years before, and it, seems, it seemed to be coalescing in one particular relationship with a woman much older than me. I would, get pre- I would get really mad, or really sad, or really disappointed over some pretty minor interactions we had in our relationship. Those emotions came out in crazy ways, mostly through sulking, I was always told not to sulk when I was a child, through sulking and running away. It was not very adult, to say the least. I was not self-aware enough to know why the pain was disproportionate to what was happening. I I really was not self-aware at that moment to know why but maybe she did. Maybe she didn't. It doesn't really matter now. But what I learned through that relationship was the experiential care and compassion of one human being to another. She stayed connected. She kept coming back. At the same time, she didn't put up with any crap from me either. Yet it was very grace-filled. But there was another side to the story, and it was the part that I held. I reflected on what I was doing. I willingly stayed connected. I kept coming back. In the midst of it all, I learned to be kind to my own heart. When I fell down, I did get back up. Maybe not immediately, but eventually. And in and through the relationship, I felt God's grace for me in my pain and in my humanity. 
It taught me a lot. Today, we are here in Exodus again when we hear another story. The key characters that drive this plot include our dear friend Moses. We're spending some time with Moses these, these days. And, of course, Yahweh, the Lord. The people, the people of God are there too, but they're only secondary to the plot line. We know they're there, but they're not the two main characters. But there's another character to this story, if you can actually call it that, and that is, we can't forget those stone tablets. The stone tablets. If you remember the story, the original stone tablets with God's instructions to the people had been destroyed by Moses' own hands. He had been with God for 40 days, and now he was back in the valley. As an as over the top his action was, throwing the commandments of God down on the ground, the work of the Lord, that's pretty risky business. This was not an isolated act. He just didn't come down from the mountain and just go, Moses was responding to something. He had been greeted by a golden calf. His flock we're having a somewhat crazy party. And to top it all off, his brother, Aaron, was no help either. And an amazing things just had occurred before the commandment-breaking episode, though. Moses daringly intercedes on behalf of the people, reminding God reminding God of his covenant, imploring God, as Walter Brueggemann posits, to be God's best self. And God, Yahweh, seemingly fights through his own, God's own destructive impulse to wipe out the people, making a new way to be with them. Here in Exodus 34, the dust has settled. The presence of the Lord is again once promised. And Moses is asked to make two new tablets of stone for the Lord to write on. Moses and God enter into a divine do-over. It is a powerful moment of recovery and realignment. Marking a new way of being that is not based in the law, but in love. But paradoxically, the same symbol, the tablets, are used. The Ten Commandments are still there. Psalm 133 through 4 reminds us, if you, O Lord, should mark our iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you so that you may be revered. As Yahweh passes in front now of Moses, in front of Moses, he says, 
the Lord, the Lord. If you, were, if you were doubting who I am, he says his name twice. The Lord, the Lord. The Lord, the Lord. The Lord, the Lord. The compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. What are the component pieces of a divine do-over? What does this text tell us? As the monastics affirm, what do we do in the monastery? We fall down and get back up again. And so we begin again, we say here at Abbey Way. Isn't that what we want? That when we fall down, we have the opportunity to get back up again. But it's risky business, this beginning again. We feel vulnerable. I feel vulnerable. We feel vulnerable. We feel exposed. We don't know if we will be received or whatever it is will actually work itself out. A couple of years ago, we sat in this room. I mean, it was this weekend two years ago. So two years ago, we sat in this room with Dr. Dan as we entered into a place of vulnerability with each other. Now, if you were in the room, I know some of you weren't, but if you were in the room at that time, there was enough blame and shame for it to feel like the bottom was dropping out from underneath us. Yet that day marked the beginning of a process of beginning again for us as a community of faith. About six weeks later that year, we gathered again. This time it was with a smaller group. That day we moved closer to each other. And the weight of that shame and blame had shifted a bit so we could hear each other better. But it was still hard. There was tremendous grief and confusion, but we were doing the work that we needed to do in that moment. The stone tablets, metaphorically speaking now, had been broken. What we thought, what I thought Abbey Way was, was that was gone. Or so it seemed. In that season, we said goodbye to many friends. But we continued on. At first, now this is my self-description, so it felt like The Walking Dead. 
going through the motions, wondering what was next. Yet we slowly discover something that I think the text clearly points to us. And it's this. It's not all up to us. It's not all up to us. God is always, always beginning again with his people. God is always beginning again with his people. The divine do-over is not only our willingness to enter and stake in and connected, but even more importantly, in these moments, God reveals something new about God's own self. Starting in verse 6, as God passes by in front of Moses, not behind him, but in front in this divine do-over place, not behind, but in front. In a self-revelatory declaration, the Lord, the Lord, this is who I am. God reveals God's self in a new way. I wonder if our do-overs, whatever that is for us, can be, you know, the daily waking up, here we begin again, or something that we have fallen down and we need to get back up again, whatever that is. It can be big, it can be little, whatever the do-over is. I wonder to truly, if it's truly a do-over, that it's always a divine do-over. It always has to have divine do-over in it. Even as our own self-identity has the opportunity to transform more into wholeness, that's lifetime task, in the falling down and our desire to get back up again, I wonder, just wonder, if in that action, God is revealing something new about God's own self. Does God take the breaking of the old tablets, whatever that may represent metaphorically, to move closer to us? Does God take our projections and inadequate understandings and use the falling down to crack them in two and release something new? Could that releasing be a new experience of grace and power to make room for a new visitation of the Spirit? We see this estrangement and return over and over again in the scripture story. The people turning away, God revealing God's self. And if we could trace say our story, trace our own lives. Can we see the same pattern? 
For the prophets, the word shuv, return, Hebrew for return, becomes one of the most important words of their writings. That return, return. We return, God returns. God returns, we return. We turn, God turns. God turns, we turn. We are vulnerable, God is vulnerable. God is vulnerable, we are vulnerable. The divine do-over becomes a divine dance. Over and over and over again. Starting from this elemental interior action of our own hearts with God as God's own chosen ones, we are called as God's people, to be the same with each other. When we are able to embrace, when we are able to receive this divine action, it becomes a threefold movement. God and me, me and God, me and you, you and me. God and you, you and God, you with each other. The ripples, the ripples of this overflow everywhere. And the promise is that it overflows for generations. The challenge for us is to remain connected to God in hope that this is true, this thing is true. To stay engaged with the story that is unfolding in our hearts while opening in vulnerability to forgiveness and grace in the new beginning that's being offered. The challenge for us is to remain connected to God in hope, to stay engaged with the story that is unfolding while opening in vulnerability to forgiveness and grace in the new beginning that is being offered. So what is God saying to us, church? What is God saying to you? What divine do-over is God asking, is offering, not asking, but offering to you this day? to participate with God together. Let's pray. Jesus, your spirit comes to us 
and invites us to be, to walk with you. Lord, we ask for your mercy now to come to those places that in our own hearts that we sense disconnection or turning away or old patterns of self just haunting us. Bring a refreshing move, O God, of your spirit here. Help us, O Lord, to enter into this moment and what you have to offer us now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.